A new year is a new chance to focus on you. You're probably already picturing yourself struggling at the gym, but not all self-help has to mean suffering. Squeeze.com is making it easier than ever to elevate your wellness by delivering a juice cleanse right to your doorstep. It's the easiest juice cleanse you'll ever do that may aid in weight loss, eliminating bloating, clearing your skin, boosting your energy levels, improving sleep, and breaking bad eating habits. Meet all your health goals from the comfort of your home. Get free same-day local delivery or fast free delivery nationwide with code WONDERY today at squeezed.com. Hi, everyone. It's Raghu with Mind Rolling. And I'm back here with uh, a wonderful new episode with Jai Utal. And Jai is a long, long time friend and went to India. We met him over there uh, when we went with Ram Das back to see Neem Karoli Baba. And uh, we have a wonderful chat here. We haven't seen each other uh, or done a, a podcast in quite some time. We haven't seen each other because of uh, the pandemic either in some time. And it was just delightful. And Jai, so you know, he's a a direct disciple of the one of the greatest living music uh, while he was alive. Musicians were greatest musicians in in the world. Uh, Ali Akbar Khan and uh, Jai is really well represented by his incredible array of music for uh, last few decades, really. And uh, I'm really happy to have been able to uh, chat with him about what he's up to and so on. And But one of the main reasons I'm, I am uh, doing this intro is because Jai started out, and I wanted to, you to know who this is that's singing, because he started out with this incredible invocation. And uh, with it's, he has such, um, it's in India called Bhav, just heartfelt expression. Uh, and sorry about doggy in the back here. Uh, and he uh, he just is an emblem for you know Ali Akbar Khan used to be called who one of the greatest musicians that ever lived, the emperor of melody. And Jai absolutely has inherited that. And uh, I learned so much from Jai. I got to tell you over many many years. And so I'm really happy about this episode. It also highlights this new Soul Land compilation that we're coming out with in the next few weeks. This is the end of May in 2022. It's um, so, of course, Jai is represented on it as as well as uh, Nico and DJ Drez and John Forte and Rising Appalachia and uh, and Ramdas has a cut. Yeah, Ramdas has a single on the compilation. We all come from God. Uh, it's terrific, and just go to uh, go to find Soul Land on Ramdas.org, and it'll give you all the information. Ramdas.org/slash/soulland or music in general. Navigate it. We'll find it. <laughs> so here, here is Jai uh, in a delightful uh, back and forth uh, around music and. The, the relationship to the spirit.
Those of you who might not know where this incredible prayer came from, his name is Jai Utah. Welcome to Mind Rolling, Jai. Hey, Raghu. The prayer didn't come through me. I mean, it didn't come from me. I hope I can say it came through me, but it's such an ancient prayer. Mm. Um, to the guru. Yeah, prayer to the guru. Mm. So I'm really uh, happy to have Jai on Mind Rolling. Uh, we haven't we haven't done this in a couple of years, I think at least um, five years, it maybe. Yeah, maybe even that long. Was David involved? David Silver, my original. Yeah. 
co-host. Yeah, yeah he, he was. So then it is. It's a number of years. We still do them, David and I, occasionally. But he's been writing his uh, epic book. <laughs> so he's been working on that. And just... And of course, he's the one who did this, uh, directed this wonderful movie that Jai and I are involved with, Brilliant Disguise, the Samadhi of K.C. Tuari, who was very special uh, to many of us, but certainly Jai and I. Very moving. That movie was, yeah, I loved, I loved it, watching mm. it. Uh, everybody, that'll be available through uh, Love Serve Remember Films in September. Trying to figure it all out now. Um, so, Jai, uh, just as I said before we got on, so in preparation for the podcast, I started to go through the music and I started from the earliest record, which is called Footprints, and I started listening to tracks. I don't know. I mean, I went on to a really a magical mystery tour. Uh, now, I, I work with Jai a long time ago when all of this first started. We've gone through all sorts of stuff together, and here we are. And uh, the the actual first studio that we worked in was in Montreal, which is where I'm from, with my ex-brother-in-law, Bruce Gonowski. And uh, can you believe that that, that really, Of course, then went out to California and and finished up uh, this, that, and the other around it. Yeah. But um, I loved that time in, in Montreal. You know, it was also, I've been in studios, but that was, the f yeah, it was the first basement. real project. It was, but it was the first real project. And, and Bruce was great in the studio, and plus just like hanging out in Montreal a little bit was great. I remember that, that so well. Bagels. Real bagels. <laughs> <laughs> Bagels, speak, people speaking French. Yeah, right. Yeah. Cosmopolitan. So, uh, but what it did for me was because, uh, well, here, just giving some of the names uh, of the different songs, uh, like Pahari, for instance, which is the hills uh, of the foothills of the Himalayas. So that whole area that we were in, stretched from Nainital through Kosani, was called, and the people are called Pahari, Paris, yeah. actually, and the dialect is Pahari. Yeah. And so uh, what you did back then to express that feeling of just hanging out in those hills, it just came to me like that. Absolutely just, what else? Like, um, bus has come, okay? Nobody would get this. What is that? buses come but meanwhile it's what we were sitting around and Maharaji it would be the towards the end of the afternoon and basically wanted to get rid of us so whoops bus has come he'd say in English right yeah and, and, and that song has this, such a kind of mysterious but also like yearning no I don't want to go buses come but I don't want to go but we got to go and we know it's all okay but you know it captured some of that emotional disconnect i don't want to go yeah. he's telling us we have to go and we wouldn't go by the way and then <laughs> he would oh, jow you know which means go he'd say it in a soft sweet voice and then that thing changed when he really wanted us to go <laughs> he's shouting jow does it does does the audience of 
of of this podcast know who he is? Yeah, we haven't said anything about who he is. Well, yes, I mean we do talk about Neem Karoli Baba a lot, and uh, and those of you who are watching on uh, YouTube can see a picture behind Jai of Maharaji sitting oh, in a right. chair in his backyard with Siddhima, who is with uh, him for decades and decades. And she and, spoke Pahari. That was and that she was, spoke. She was Pahari. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Whereas Maharaji came, from, he came from the plains. He lived he uh, near um, Agra. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So that's the big he <laughs> that we talk about. Uh, so yeah. Then there is uh, what else is in there? So the 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 prominent song, and we're going to play it right now, at least part of it, because it's really it's ten minutes long or something. Um, is called Ragupati. And uh, actually, we would get on a bus. When we finally did get on that bus and go back to the hotel in Nainital where we were staying, uh, the, uh, the ticket guy would come in. He'd, he'd be on the bus, it was, and then he'd come and collect everybody's ticket and basically lead us in kirtan. Ragupati Raghavaracharam, and uh, anyhow, so this Raghupati that you put together is extraordinary, everybody, when you listen. Uh, first of all, has uh, Lakshmi Shankar, this great uh, Indian classical singer. Is she st- still with us, Jai? Do you know? I'm not sure. Yeah, me neither. I, actually, I'm not sure. It's uh, a uh, sister of Ravi Shankar. Uh, yeah, something. Some, I'm pretty like, sure I remember sister that. maybe once removed or something like that. You know, the Indian families are... <laughs> well, really there's no... Yeah, there, um, no so, but re- but definitely a close relative. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, so here's... But here's the, uh, the ingredient that makes this... You will never hear anything like this as far as... I mean, there, there have been fusion, Indo-fusion things that go on, but in this particular case, and it's uh, rare... And Jai was friendly with Don Cherry. And Don was one of the great trumpet players in, in the greatest part of the jazz era, 50s and 60s and stuff. And, uh, okay, so we've talked enough about it. Now we're going to play. <laughs> Let's play some of this, okay? So everybody gets a feeling for, for that this moment. this is Don's last, last recorded uh, track. Really? Yeah, that yeah, I yeah. did not know. Yeah, his his teeth were coming out. Oh, right. And so. uh, he played more. He did some performances, but his last recording with trumpet, mm. it was poignant. It was bittersweet, and he was such a beautiful guy and such a troubled guy. Yeah, yeah. So here we are. Let's uh, let's play this Ragupati. Thank you. 
So I think everybody, you get the idea of the just the incredible array of colors that are in this music, and 
And of course, we can't even talk to Jai without mentioning one thing in terms of his early antecedents uh, as a musician and artist, and that's Ali Akbar Khan. Um, Jai, I have to tell you, I have a lot of things to be thankful for you, introducing me to aspects of Indian music that I would not have had had that experience. And uh, yeah. maybe primary, though, is all the great melodies. The other day we had a satsang here uh, in a kirtan, right? And I mean, so I was singing some, and John Seskovich was here too. You know, John, he, he sure, did a, yeah. a few things, you know, sweet John. We ended up all using, uh, the, all the kirtans we sang, aside from Mr. Lisa, was your melody. So we called it, okay, it's, it's a Jai Utah kirtan. <laughs> so we have that uh, as well to, to be quite thankful. I, I think that's the blessing that Ali Akbar Khan gave to me. I mean, he, mm. he, he was so generous with all of his students, you know, advanced or beginners, it didn't matter. He was like a well. But... But somehow, you know, and I never, I, I could never say I mastered raga or anything. You know, I, I, I don't know how to do a full performance in classical music. But Kansa kind of gave, you know, I don't know, it just injected me this, this thing of being able to make melodies and, and the kind of reverence mm. for a beautiful melody, you know, the more beautiful the melody, you know, to the inner aesthetic, the more be beauty you can find that you offer to God. I mean, it's just a thing. I, I'm so thankful to him, the years with him. And, I'm, you know, I'm still super friendly with his family. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I wanted to ask you about that at some point, too. Um, but just to say, the Jai, for me, again, this is all relational to my perspective and what I love and... Uh, Jai's introduction to us at the time, to Ali Akbar Khan, who, by the way, Yehudi Menuhin, one of the greatest class, Western classical uh, musicians, violinists, used to say, the greatest musician alive right now is Ali Akbar Khan. Yeah, I, I don't doubt that at all. Absolutely. I mean, we got it right. I mean, thank you. Thank you to be going into a studio with Ali Akbar Khan. The first record that we did was called Journey. And see him in the moment creating these melodic structures that everybody had to just, okay, we're going to go there now, you know. Working and, on, on those albums. You know, I had studied with, I was studying with him before even I went to India. So, you know, we already had that that uh, deep teacher student relationship, but working on that album, you know, then he was he would come to my house and I would go to his house and, uh, uh, you know, it just revealed a whole another side of him and oh, what a beautiful! I remember one time we were sitting in my living room and in Berkeley, you know, a small little funky house I had and and. We were drinking because he really liked his scotch, and <laughs> I went along right there with him. And, and I asked him at one point, what does it feel like, Concept, what does it feel like to be a master of music, to be a master of your instrument, to be a master of this deep tradition, to just be a master at what you do? And he, he got very quiet, you know, and he was smoking a cigarette as well, and, and he said, <laughs> you know, it's very, very rare 
that I feel that everything is in alignment. You know, sometimes, you know, like the audience is weird or the sound system is weird or my instrument won't stay in tune or my body is bothering me. And it's every once in a while, everything is all kind of in sync. I don't remember the word he used. And then I feel a kind of ecstasy. But, you know, music is, is an ocean. And the deeper you swim, the further away the opposite shore it becomes. And then he got very quiet and continued smoking a cigarette. And, you know, what a, what a humility. And I mean, he acknowledged that there was times when the mastery was complete. But then there was the, this acknowledgement that, that it's way more vast. Music is way more vast than any one human person can mm. understand. Yeah. That's um, great. He played an instrument called the sirode and uh, that may be best described as, uh, I, I think you told this to me, that it was tantamount to the closest to the human voice. Uh, Colored wise. I, I, I feel Expression. that way. Expression. Particularly the way he plays, played it. It can be very percussive. Mm. which in that way is different from the voice. But the way he played it, no one played it ever before <laughs> or after. And, and the nuances were so vocal. And in fact, you know, I didn't sing um, when I f first started studying with him. And he insisted that every person who studied with him had to also uh, study vocal music because they, he said all music comes from the voice. Mm. And there was an Indian woman teaching, uh, you know, the the traditional Indian classical raga songs. And so I was very shy to sing and very, you know, self-conscious and self-critical, but that kind of broke the, or at least started breaking the ice for singing. I would never have thought of singing before that. Hmm. And yeah, we're going to put links into uh, Khan Sahib, as he was called, Ali Akbar Khan's, uh, some of his recordings, uh, and uh, maybe Jai will make a suggestion too, and, and we'll, we'll just get the link up there because they are uh, outstanding. I mean, they are, um, many a times, they are just exactly the same as a, a, a practice, a sitting practice, and, but you get the benefit of riding these waves without having to think you're doing anything, but you get absorbed into it in the same way you might through chanting, meditation, whatever you do. That, so, that, that's the beauty of kirtan also, you know, it's so, it can be so sort of, I won't say easy is not the right word, but it, yeah, easy. It's just easy to get into chanting and, and you don't really, you're not really trying or you don't really know that you're like going into a meditation, but suddenly, you know, you're just so involved in it because your mind gets sort of enchanted by the song and the melody and your emotions get all awakened, but it's repetition. So, so, you know, like you get, uh, it's so deep without really particularly trying very hard. Yeah. I feel sometimes I just got to show up basically. Yeah. 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 Um, oh boy. I had an experience the other night. I know this is not, you know, in our podcast, um, uh, list of subjects, <laughs> but I. No, but it's I, all. I, I did a, my first in-person kirtan 
in quite many months, you know, and it was in Sebastopol near here and it was outside at night. Mm. And it was a beautiful scene, you know, it was a really beautiful scene. But next door, there there was, um, uh, how do you say it, Quinceanera? A uh, Mexican family, when the when the young woman turns 15, they have a big party uh-huh. with lots of loud music. So it was right next door to us. And, um, you know, while I was singing, I, I didn't hear it. But as soon as I would stop singing, uh, the, <laughs> the music was so loud. It was really a challenge. But, it, you know, what do you do? You, there's so many challenges. and And all we can do... With whatever challenge we meet is we just try to go to a deeper space and and not ignore it, not pretend it's not there, but, you know, not get freaked out by it. Well, in this case, it was probably, they were joyful. They were joyful. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if it was a competition, but... (laughs) Uh, Is that where uh, Ezra was with you? Yes. that's, That's a whole other blessing that you got going. Yeah, my son is 17 years old. He's a brilliant musician. And, you know, something that that I actually popped into my mind is that, well, you know, he's not like into Indian music, but he's really fascinated by Indian scales. Mm. So while he plays keyboards, so while he's doing his jazz and his rock and all the different things that he's exploring, he, he sometimes just goes right into these raga scales that I've taught him and and... Uh, it's just amazing. <laughs> wow, that's really cool. Yeah. Huh. So a part of Footprints was sending me also, of course, back to India, which is where uh, Jai and I met. Well, we were uh, going to see Maharaji named Karoli Baba. And uh, yeah, little, just give a, a little backstory on you arrived there with a couple of people and I see, I, I need to be straightened out because I thought it was one thing. My memory, you know, it's funny how our memories are. They construct things that maybe weren't, you know, I know. <laughs> according to our proclivities or projections. I'm afraid to even tell stories of my past because I don't even know if they're true. I think they're true. <laughs> uh, I wrote them that I had a diary, so I, I checked my shit on that. <laughs> but, um, no, but you did come and you were involved with a, a guru that you came to India to see. Can we start there? That's true. Yeah, and we'll, we'll leave that guru's name. Yes. Um, uh, I came there thinking that he was my guru. I, I hadn't met him, but um, I had met his disciples. And uh, anyway, we arrived, my friends and I arrived in Delhi and found that he was in jail for, for well, not just murder, but mass murder. And it's not a good start going no. to India and finding. <laughs> so, so it was like, oh, okay. And uh, um, but within one week, we were in Vrindavan uh, with Maharaji. You know, we we had read, I had read, "Be Here Now," Ramdas's, you know, first amazing seminal. Wait, book. what time was this? Okay, here's where I want to get to. What, nineteen seventy one. The end came, of 1971, yeah. The end of 1971. So the the book actually just came out in 1971 in the fall. I oh, wow. Yeah, so then it was just, wow. That, you must have maybe even seen, you know, the box set or something like that from Bindu to Ojas, mm-hmm. which is where yeah. Be Here Now was taken from. Yeah. 
So you knew about Ramdas point. Yeah, and and I, and I had met Ramdas. And uh, when did Ramdas first come back to, from India? It was when he, he first came back from India yeah. in '68, early '68. Yeah. So I had seen him speaking, and actually, my friends and I in this was in Berkeley. We had a kind of like a hippie ashram, sort of an ashram, you know, but it wasn't an ashram ashram. It was just bunch of like-minded people living together. Mm. And we invited Ramdas over after, you know, after one of his talks, one oh, of really? his happenings, they weren't just talks. Um, and he came over and we sang Kirtan. We had a living room, kind of big Kirtan place. And, and then he had dinner with us and, you know, it was just so great. I, I can't imagine that he just actually said yes and came over. Now, in, in retrospect, but but so you know, I considered him a friend. Not a, I didn't know him well, of course. But you know, then when I went to India, um, well, I wasn't intending to see Maharaji. I didn't have a plan to see Maharaji. But that contact with Ramdas and reading "Be Here Now" and getting very moved by Ramdas's, uh, you know, the the autobiography autobiographical part of that book yeah. um, so I guess Maharaji had planted the seed and just I had to go through this crazy drama around this other guru and but it was pretty fast you know like it was pretty quick that I was in Vrindavan with Maharaji so you met Ram Dass in Delhi I think right and then he said no uh, we were we okay so we were cut loose with, you know from our, our plan was was cut loose, cut us loose, and so I went to. I was in a bookstore in New Delhi, a spiritual bookstore, and the man told me that Ramdas was giving classes up at the uh, Palace Heights in Kanat Circle, this hotel. So we went to the Palace Heights, and and they told us that Ramdas had left Delhi and gone to Vrindavan to see his guru. So we didn't have anything else to do. We had no idea what to do. So we said, well, well let's go to Vrindavan and see Ramdas. Um, and that turned into meeting Maharaji. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and that's where we met as well. I was yeah. down there with Ramdas. And uh, just one more anecdote that I bet, uh, I would bet a lot that you don't remember this, but maybe. <laughs> okay, so we all went to, I'm sorry everybody, we're kind of reminiscing and telling stories about that time and related to Jai's music and so on, but we're having fun, hope you, hope you are too. We were in a city in India called Allahabad where there's uh, these sacred uh, grounds right by the confluence of the Ganges and the Yamuna and underground Saraswati. And they have these um, kumbha malas, malas there uh, all the time. I mean, they're extraordinary, multi-millions of people. And there was a man who was a devotee of Maharaji who lived there named Dada Mukherjee. And Maharaji used to spend winters pretty much, and certainly in the latter years and when we knew him, uh, at his house. So we would go, they would put us up in different houses around because we were, you know, 30, 40, maybe even 50 people. Westerners, which now seems like nothing. I know. <laughs> Can I you know, imagine? We were so lucky, and that was the largest it ever got. Yeah, and usually it was more like twenty or something. Yeah. So there we were, and so they'd put us in different places. Jai was 
you were put into a house with um, Gunga Dar and Janaki, I believe, who you would come with, and and one other woman. Yeah, go whose on. Name I can't. No, no, go on, because uh, then we'll see where our memories diverge. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Anyhow, you were there with some people, and you were put in a house. I was put in another house, uh, you know, t- to stay, other Indian devotees. I came walking on my way to see Maharaji. We'd go there first thing in the morning and spend the day. And you popped out of the door with a friend, and you were not feeling well. And you said, I said, what's wrong? And you said, well, there's mold. It's really damp in this house and there's mold and I have asthma. So it's not a good combo. So I thought, wow, that's terrible. Maybe I should say something. So we go, (laughs) this is so terrible. We go to where Dada's house, where Maharaji was. And there he is in the room, and there's just people milling around and having darshan and talking. And there was one guy that Maharaji had appointed to take care of placing the Westerners in these different residences. And I said to that guy, you know, I have an idea. Why don't you switch, like Jai could come, because our where we're staying is very dry. He has asthma, it's damp there. It's not really good for him at all. And we could, you know, I was kind of, orchestrating and being the producer, which I have gotten in myself into trouble. No, but it was also very caring. Yeah, well, it was just in front of me. I couldn't avoid it. Anyhow, Maharaji sees me talking to him. I don't remember his name and says, what, what does he want? <laughs> Meaning me. He says, well, you know, his friend not feeling well, thought he could be in a different house. And so Maharaji screamed at him, what? Shut the I'll tell you what to do or something like that. Of course, I couldn't understand it fully. It was in Hindi and back then I knew almost nothing. But somebody later told me he was just pissed at the guy for, you know, uh, remanaging the situation and listening to some dingbat Westerner. (laughs) I have never forgotten this. I I I did switch, right? I did get switched. Yeah, you did. I think you did. But I didn't get, oh, God, it's hard to really remember. I didn't get switched to where you were. No. I got switched to some to another apartment with people I didn't know, like uh, <laughs> a bunch of Australian hippies, and it was right over a bazaar. Okay. Uh, How'd that work out for you? See? <laughs> Shut the fuck I up. I guess it worked out fine. <laughs> Oh, God, God, God help us. I mean, talk about precious times, but... Um, yeah. Mm. Um, so, all the way to... How about, like, full circle in terms of looking at the different songs and so on? Here was one um, that uh, you... I think it's the latest thing that's available in your catalog. It's a single Holy Madman. Oh yeah, that's the right. latest. That's the latest one. That is. So everybody, I, I want to play some of this at the very least. Let's just play it because I have some thoughts about what it reminded me of. Actually, okay, here we go. Holy Madman.
This is also highly unusual, of course. Jai plays banjo, and to use that uh, as part of uh, Maha Mantra, which is the Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna uh, mantra, which is known as the great mantra in India, which we are very fond of. I mean, the one thing you know, that we brought back, when Jai was already you know, highly evolved uh, in, in terms of musicianship, so picking up different melodies, walking around India and all of that stuff was like nothing. The rest of us, including Krishnadas, he was really just learning, you know, how to um, apply some of what he was hearing in a way that made sense for him. And um, But a- after Maharaji left, Jai, and you can tell this story because it's fantastic, basically... Uh, I think it was in the 80s that you did this uh, with uh, visiting with the Bals of Bengal. Was it in the 80s, I think? Uh, let's see. No, the, um, it was my second trip to India. So the first trip was 71. So, uh, so the second trip was like 74, I think, uh, something like that. And mm. Oh, really? We went to... Because we did that thing in 74, you know, the uh, popping around in, uh, with uh, our group then going up to Portland. And that was in 74, winter. Remember we got stuck in Gurneyville? <laughs> oh, yeah. Snowstorm. So, but was it before Gurneyville? No, because no, 73, Maharaji so. left. Yeah, so right. I think so, it was, yeah, probably mid-70s. Yeah, and and there's a, a sect of... of Bhaktas of wandering devotional singers in Bengal called the Bowels. And the, the word Bowel means God intoxicated. And I had heard some albums of the Bowels of Bengal and just loved the music and just like was so drawn to it. So my friend Gangadhar and I went to Calcutta 
And then, you know, we just like tried to figure out how to meet the bow. So we went to this little village in West Bengal called Shanti Shanti Nikitan and um, got a place to stay and just walked around the streets until we saw a bow singer. And we followed him and there was this, you know, village mela, like a little uh, festival. And these singers were just so beautiful and I walked up to one of the singers, one of the main singers afterwards, you know, said hi. And he said, you have any acid? (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, and we started a a friendship. And then uh, Gangadhar and I got this house and uh, a different bell singer would come and give us classes, give us lessons. And Mm. the house became every evening uh, a wandering group would would come and and, – sing and hang out it was just one of the most amazing experiences and so the vibe of holy madman is you know it's not a literal copy of anything but it's like a bengali song and you know, like a bengali bowel chant but it's played on the banjo and and there's accordion and trombone and and uh yeah it's amazing and uh, by the way, I mean, I first learned of, of the bowels because of the recording that was done by the band uh, who played with Bob Dylan. If, you, if anybody listen to the band, the band is Everybody's amazing. Everybody's got to okay. know the band. That's like yeah. one of the best group of musicians yeah. ever, ever. Ever. So, yeah. Well, let's put that in the show notes so, so people can link over to it. But And also this record and, and the bowel that we met or you had met, but I met later, uh, Purna Dasbal, who had the voice. Right. I mean, of all the bowels that I've ever heard. He was like the heard. masterful one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, the Bob Dylan album, John Wesley Harding, you know, the cover has has Dylan and a local f- farmer and two bowels in the picture. And one of them is Purna Das, and the other one is Lakshman Das. And Lakshman Das was the one who was singing at this village mela who asked me for the LSD. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's okay. Yeah, and the, they had a record called The Bowels at Big Pink. Yeah. 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 Phenomenal record. And, uh, yeah, there's something about the core of what you got with these musicians and this culture that's permeated your music forever. Yeah. Right? I mean, that's really... Yeah. It's kind of indescribable. That I was only with the bowels for four months. You know, I was in, went to India, like you, we went many, many times, and, and listening to the temple singers, uh, and singing with the temple singers, particularly in Kenchi, you know, was such a big influence. But that four months with the bowels, I don't know, that just completely... Between them, Ali Khan and Jimi Hendrix... Mm-hmm. They completely transformed my musical DNA. <laughs> <laughs> perfect. Yeah. Very perfect, they would say. Oh, God. Um, well, so, and uh, as I, I said this to Jai before, I, I was just trying to pick out a few songs we could play in the podcast. And by the end of it, I realized, okay, that would be more than like two or three podcasts without us talking. It would be the only way we could play all. I mean, so um, we're, Jai and I were just talking. I said, okay, well, I'm going to do a, a Spotify playlist. That's the best way. We'll reference it. So look for a Spotify playlist when the, 
the show notes. Just go down to the show notes. I'm sure we can link it. There must and be a way. And let me know also so I can, yeah. I can post it. Um, yeah. we, I, I mentioned before, and I, I just want to mention it again, that uh, my wife, Nubia, and I did a project starting January 1st of on Instagram uh, for 108 days, a legacy mm. of songs of 108 songs by me. And each one of them um, went into a Spotify playlist called, called Legacy of Songs. And we had been talking last year, you know, a bunch of different people said, Jai, why don't you write a book? And, and, mm. but I don't have, my memory is so bad. So, <laughs> so, so I decided like, you know, if I write a book, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be called Sing or Die, My Life in 108 Songs. <laughs> 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 and just yeah. talk about the experience of the songs, mm. uh, you know. Then I, I go, uh, the person, the friend who ha seems to have the impeccable memory of everything and has been my friend since college was Gungadar. But then yesterday, uh, Nubia and I were talking, well, maybe Gungadar is just making up all these stories too. And he claims <laughs> them as being accurate. And I can't argue with him because I just don't remember. <laughs> That's why it was good to have a diary back then. I'm glad I did that. I know. I have a diary too from that time, but oh, it's, ju well. it's just songs. Oh, well, <laughs> it makes sense. It makes sense. That alone could be a worthy book format, you know, those songs and what they represented and how they related to your experience. Yeah. I oh, wish one... I had a clearer memory of my of my time with Maharaji. I mean, th there's certain very, very clear, indelible memories that I have. And, but a lot of it is like, well, what happened, you know? And, and I think because I was 19... I, I, you know, it's, you know, very unformed as a human being, whatever that actually means. But, you know, I was still kind of a kid. And, and I feel like a lot of what happened sitting in front of Maharaji happened not in my conscious mind, you know, so, so it, there's a sort of fog and yet a molecular feeling. The, the feeling is very strong, but the actual memories are not. You know mm. what I mean? Mm. No, because I had he was yelling at me all the time. I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> I remember when he hit me on the head a bunch of yeah, times. Right. <laughs> That's very clear memories. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, can I tell you what happened one time? Yeah. Um well yeah, this is actually well, okay. So so you know, we would see Maharaji and we, we would bring offerings. And it's a kind of a normal traditional thing in India. And you'd either bring fruit or, or flowers or some kind of offering. So I usually stopped at the fruit wallet and got some fruit and brought us an offering. So this, this particular day, I got this bag of berries because I hadn't seen them ever before on the fruit, you know, those beautiful big fruit stands. I got them and I went back to my little room and I was washed them and I put them back in the little sack and the sack broke open because they were just, the sacks were just made out of newspaper or something. <laughs> and the berries went all over the floor and I was like really upset. So I picked them up and I washed again, each one individually and wrapped them in a cloth and, and uh, went to see Maharaji. And then uh, this was Vrindavan. And then when I got there, I offered them to him and he opened it up. And he said, in English, berries. And he started eating each berry uh, very slowly and kept saying berries. And, and In English? In English. And usually he didn't even eat the, the offering. 
And so he was eating, he ate this, I don't remember if he ate the whole bag, but in my memory it says that he ate the whole bag, but I don't know if that's true, but I know that he ate them. And then, then he told us to leave, and, and that particular time when I bowed in front of him, he hit me really hard three times in my head. Hmm. So then, you know, and the whole experience was kind of like, wow. Then I start walking back to the Jaipuria Bhavan, the little hotel, and I'm walking on the dirt road, and next door to Maharaji's temple uh, was a sadhu named Hatiwala Baba, I think. And he was an old man, and he had an elephant. Yeah, that's it. And so, oh, and Maharaji had given me a banana as prasad. So I'm walking there, and I just stop, and, and the elephant is sort of standing there at, by the fence, you know, just off the, the dirt path, and I'm looking at this elephant, and the elephant's looking at my banana. <laughs> so after a while, I said, okay. And I gave the elephant my banana. And he stood up and crossed his, ah, I can't do it, but he crossed his legs like in a stand and put out his trunk. In a, it, it, he, it was like he embodied Krishna for a minute. Um, you know, in that stance of Krishna playing the flute. Mm. Uh, you know, okay, imagination can run wild, but... I felt like I, I had darshan of Krishna, and and I felt like Maharaji had, you know, he had just thinned the veil for me for that one, you know, 10-minute period or something where, where, you know, he made a crack in the veil where I could see. And and it was such, it had such a profound effect on me. I couldn't believe it. I bowed down. You know, any passerbys must have thought I was completely psychotic. And but no problem in India. In India, right. <laughs> and then the elephant walked away, uh, and I went back to the play, the hotel. And But it was, like, so vivid. Mm. That's a good uh, analogy for our experience. We went there to get the veil thinned out. Yeah. yeah. It gets thick so fast, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Here, look at us. Here we are. Um Oh, we cannot go one step further back to uh, music, which is the fact that Jai has played, although I think he's going to tell me way less now, an instrument called the dotara, which is like a mini sarod, which is a gourd with strings similar to uh, a sitar, but completely different. It's actually it's actually made by a sarod. Where sitar is a gourd, sarod is a, a hollowed out piece of teak wood. Oh, is it? So, so it's it's heavier, and uh -huh. you know the the inside, what do you call it, the sound chamber is bigger. The the whole thing is hollow. Uh -huh. and, and so that's, that's I guess that resonance. Yeah. I mean, it's so highly resonant. It's just an amazing instrument. Anyhow, but is that the same for the dotar that you play? Yeah, same. just smaller just a smaller version. version. Yeah. So there are many many songs, especially in the earlier days, um, that have the dotar on it. And uh, one thing in particular, and we're talking again about this movie with K.C. Tiwari, who would go into deep, deep trance absorption, which is a loose definition of samadhi, which is very undefinable because, as Jai says in the movie, we don't know what's inside the consciousness of another person, but he sure looked good. Yeah. <laughs> he was going good. Uh, but there's one piece in this movie, John, and you've seen it, 
we got this footage of Neem Karoli Baba when first Krishna Das and uh, Danny Goldman and Rameshwar Das went to India together. They were the f- some of the first Westerners actually uh, to meet Neem Karoli Baba. And there happened to be a, a, t- a TV, a film crew. Uh, his name is Amar Tat, who was uh, doing a film on all different uh, gurus that were in and around at that time. Sunseed was the name of the Sunseed. movie. Yeah. yeah, it's really cool. Anyhow, he had this footage and he was kind enough to let us use it in this. And I don't think he used everything he had in Sunseed particularly, but he let us use it. So there's this scene of Maharaji with fruit. He wouldn't allow sound to be there for some reason. And he would uh, he was giving out fruit. And it is, you know, really a high-end footage. It's the best footage of Maharaji that exists because these guys came over with real cameras. So I didn't know that he that Maharaji had not allowed sound. Yep. Not allowed sound. That's yeah. a trip. I mean, I knew there wasn't sound, but I never knew that that was because Maharaji had said yeah. that. So, but uh, what we did, we took a p- piece of Jai's uh, music, uh, particularly of uh, this instrument, the dotara, and the uh, poignancy of the music and the way it reflects that moment is to me, the uh, price of admission to watch this film. But uh, hopefully you all will, uh, if you actually get over to ramdas.org and put your email address in, you will get a notice as to when it's available to be seen. But that particularly is just so extraordinary. And there are many songs uh, that Jai has done. Uh, some he's done a couple with uh, Krishna Das actually on Krishna Das albums. One in particular that's uh, uh, also amazing. We'll, we'll try and get that into the playlist. Yeah. The guru, guru prayer. Yeah, the Guru yeah. prayer. So this instrument and your ability to channel—I mean, Kansaib was called the Emperor of Melody. And and uh, this this is absolutely I am totally convinced having been around enough with you and with him to to know that this is uh, he easily passed this on to Jai droplets he yeah he passed me a, a droplet of his of his melodic ocean so why aren't you playing the dotara much anymore that's my question <sighs> so hard. no i mean yeah uh a couple of things a couple of reasons well i played it a lot and then you know i played it a lot for many many years and i i found after a while that it was even harder to play in tune than the sarod because Mm. you know there's no frets and and uh because this since it's smaller the, the space where each note sort of lives is is, is smaller, but that's a cop out. You know uh, what? What all, I got a little tired of it. I got a little tired of uh, you know working so hard to play it in tune, mm. and I also became well, you know, through Nubia, I I was began to be exposed to the wealth and beauty of Brazilian music. Jai's wife is her name is Nubia. Yeah. So. 
and she's Brazilian. And, and so I started to get more and more drawn to Brazilian guitar. And the thing about the dotar is you need long nails on your left hand. Because you could, mm-hmm. and Sarod, because you, you're playing, you're not actually using your finger pads to, to press the strings, you're using your nails. Wow. And to play guitar, uh, you know, with, with you know, Strum. complicated voicings and, mm. and chords, your left hand nails got to be really short. Mm. So uh, there you go. It's not, a, know, it's a, not even a good reason. It's not bad, though. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> mechanically, it makes sense. It's true. But. And, um, you know, I do sometimes get nostalgic for the dotor, so I pull it out. And boy, it's a hard instrument to play. And, and then not having the nails, I just get frustrated. But I'm working on a new song, and the, the whole end section of the song is this kind of tapestry of guitars but it needs something to go on top of it so just yesterday Nubi and I were walking and and oh by the way we saw this huge rattlesnake in our path yesterday oh. I feel I feel like it was the kind of some kind of spirit uh blessing well it didn't mm. bite it didn't bite us thank god that, well, we but, but anyway here. I, I just had the thought well I gotta get the dotara out I'll practice it for a week I'll grow my nails and I'll play it on this song because it has a voice, the, you know, the, all the instruments have their own voice, and it has a such no, that would unique, be it's such a beautiful sounding instrument. So if you're going to do that, and you're going to grow your nails enough to be able to do this thing, take it one step further, and just jam on some other things, <laughs> okay? See, this is why, you know, this is what I used to do to Jai a long time ago. Hey, what about this? Come on, this would be this, this would be that. Yeah. Uh, that's but uh, I'm glad to hear that uh, there's a new recording going on, and of course everybody yeah. will know about it from us uh, when it's available. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm excited about it. Then you know I think like sometimes I think, well, what are you doing? You're crazy. Why are you making another album? Don't you think the world has enough of Jai? <laughs> 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 but it's you know it's an artist's. Uh, you know, what are you gonna do? Make more art. And devotional it's, art. Yeah, it's is called where it's sharing. At. Yeah. It's called sharing. This is what Ramdas was about all the way up to the moment he left. He just had that impulse, you know. Yeah. yeah. And that's, you know, it's part of uh, our legacy. Yeah. And by the way, I was, gonna, I was thinking about that, you know, just everything was brought back, all of the, you know, the central importance of Kirtan as part of the legacy that we were given. Uh, it's you know that you have been and Krishnas has been and others uh, so you, important. You too, you and know, it's been the mainstay of our practice, kind of. Yeah, and I thought, but you know, us talking. Yes, we're being a little bit nostalgic here, talking about our experiences in the past, but it's all related to who we are now. And but it's not. It's not nostalgic. The presence that we experience, and this is my grand thought for the day. Uh, it's embedded in the satsang that we hang with in every way. The things that you do, the thing Krishnas does, the love, serve, remember, the Ramda, all of the things that we've been doing, it's really embedded in the satsang. I mean, I felt that so strongly. Unfortunately, of course, we haven't been able to meet the way that we did be before this pandemic, which is over, but not really. 
Yeah. <laughs> We're over, hoping but, it's going to be more endemic, but it's whoa. Over, but not really. That's the, that's yeah. the way to put it. Yeah. So, uh, so it really is. And, you know, there's that famous quote from Thich Nhat Hanh, uh, the coming Maitreya, the coming Buddha is the Sangha, is the Satsang. And that's so apparent uh, to me in, uh, in the ways in which we get, even getting together online, you know, yeah. or just this right now. It's no yeah. different. It really isn't, you know. You know, when I, when I do kirtan, not publicly, that's another thing. It's not different, but it's different. But when I do kirtan at home with a, a bunch of satsang friends, I, I know that some people, some of us, uh, appreciate it with more of like, this is like the good old days. And I know that others of us, like me, like you, I know like Krishnas, when we're doing kirtan, and this is public as well as private, it's not nostalgic for the past at all. It's it's like completely in the present, you know, calling, begging, feeling, and not feeling, you know, all the different shades of that, that presence. And it, and. Yeah, sometimes when I'm singing, I, you know, I may like for a, a moment imagine Maharaji in the temple, you know, which mm. is a, a memory kind of. Mm. But it's just a memory that that triggers in the current moment the feeling above of of, of his presence of yeah. yeah. And sometimes, you know, I feel like even the times of not feeling him, I feel are his grace cuz like I don't know in the the feel the times of separation and not not feeling connection. You know that heart muscle gets really strong. Mm. You know because because oh, there it's anguish kind of when you don't feel him. And longing is so much of what uh, the bhakti path is about, and yeah. it's most well expressed, obviously, through uh, music, kirtan, bhajan, and uh, you know this is a primary thing for Jai that's in yeah. this music from beginning from the footprints to uh, to this holy madman and um, by the way I do have to mention that uh, we have a compilation I've been told we have a compilation coming out of different people that have been on our uh, Ramdas Solan music series and Jai's been with us and uh, there's a song called Ladder of Longing that uh, Fortunately, Jai allowed us to use for the Soland compilation number two, which is coming out in June. This is 2022. Oh, nice. I, I, that's just, June is not very far away. It's like now or a couple of weeks, a week uh, and a half. Yeah. Oh, that's exciting. I did, actually didn't realize that it was coming so soon. Yeah. And this is on a, an album of Jai's called Let Me Burn. Uh, but uh, yeah, that's uh, oh, it's a great compilation. It's got John Forte's on it, Rising Appalachia, DJ Drez. Uh, Laundra, you know, some really... Rising Appalachia is, is on Yeah. yeah. Those girls are awesome. Oh, awesome harmonies. Awesome. Um, and uh, actually, John is there doing a song with uh, Ben Taylor. Really? Ben, yeah, yeah. It's a really uh, very cool song. So that's coming again, you know, just go to Soul Land on Instagram or write to... Um, get your your email up on ramdas.org um and i also have to well you know what we're gonna do because jai has to go off so we're gonna end right here but uh we're gonna say goodbye but then we're gonna play one last song 
and it's from an album Jai did uh, um, called Loveland with Ben Lieback, his partner. Uh, and uh, I want to play Jai Tuameba, which is again the end, uh, uh, ending song on the brilliant disguise Samadhi of Casey Tuari. I mean, it's so perfect there. I, I, you know, thank God for whoever thought of that. I, I, guess, I, I started crying when I, when I yeah. saw the ending piece. Yeah. yeah, it's got that emotional power. So this is the album it was taken from. And my last word here is when my, I think I've told you this, I, I believe I have, but hopefully you've forgotten it so it'll be new. I did. Uh, <laughs> but when my father was passing, uh, about nine years ago. And uh, so, you know, he loved Kirtan. He was part of the satsang. Jai knew him. And uh, I, so we had some albums there. I can't remember what, you know, CDs, I guess. And, uh, you know, we played, uh, we played, I played a little Krishna Das. And I could tell because it would speed up, it, it was jarring. In that moment, it's not never jarring in any other moment. It's like very connective as, as he is. And then I had Loveland. And I thought, well, I know that this is more ambient, so this may be more appropriate. So my father basically left within a couple hours of, of me just playing Loveland over and over. This is a phenomenal record. It's not just music <laughs> to help your father pass. But it is music to, uh, uh, there's a way, it's really different than most anything you ever did. Yeah. I would say. Completely. And, yeah. And uh, it's so powerful. I guess I just really vibe with it. So uh, we're going we're gonna to finish the, the podcast with Tuameva. You're going to find everything, all the links up that we've been talking about in the show notes. Go to Be Here Now Network dot com slash mind rolling you'll find it all there and uh jai thank you thank you for everything thank you thank you so great to talk to you and reconnect with you you know it's a, it seems like our life is a period of it's like cycles of reconnecting reconnecting yeah. connecting and this pandemic hasn't been easy uh in terms of staying connected and yeah. and Thank you for doing this so that we can do that. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. We'll see you next week. Ram Ram. Ram Ram. Wow.
Good. 